You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Labine, only on the BetQL Network. Welcome into the Tapped Out a Recap, aka the Retap. Brendan Tobin, Sean Levine. Before we talk about UFC 270, which is right around the corner now, of course, at the top of that card, and Ganu versus Gone. Let's talk about what happened on Saturday night. And it feels like repeat. Whenever I come on here, BT, and I told you, I told you so. Now. At the end of each show, we do a let's get parlayed. Remember, I told you that Roy Ball was going to get parlayed with Calvin Cater. That ended up happening. Let's talk about the Cater fight because I don't think it went the way that not only the odds makers expected, I didn't think it was going to go this way. Like, he absolutely dominated Giga in that fight literally in every single round. It's kind of crazy because in that first round, he really flipped everybody on their head because the kind of he did turn it into a bit of a grappling match. He almost got in a couple of submissions. And I think that really threw Giga for a loop because like he was, he was a guy who I don't say he like completely gassed out, but he definitely looked like he was like, uh Oh, plans have changed and just never really could get going because he had that constant pressure from Cater the entire time. So, I mean, look, it was, it was a complete performance from Calvin Cater and I, it's great to see, man. Cause I really, there was a part of me going into this. I genuinely was worried. Like, what is this guy going to be like, like going into the cage? And what he, what he came out and showed is I'm an absolute demon. And I think he's actually a problem for this division. Worried what he's going to look like because of the Max Holloway fight. Yeah. Just all the damage that he took. Like, is he going to be the same fighter? Is he going to be the same guy? And he looks like he took that fight. And I mean, it, it almost was the reverse fight. Like, it's like, he, he was the one who dished out the punishment the entire fight for all five rounds. Uh, probably almost looked like he put it away nearly like three times. And I mean, I know you had him by by knockout, and I really thought there was like four or five times it, he was going to get started throwing elbows, like punches, because his hands were so busted up from hitting his face. Uh, and if that fight would have lasted for ten seconds, it was going to be a knockout. It was one of those where yeah, you could, definitely you, you could tell like sometimes in a fight that saved by the bell happens at the end of rounds, but typically at the end of the fifth round, besides the O'Malley Moutinho fight, I suppose they're going to let that thing go. And that's what right. I, I was. I was not happy about that. I was literally standing up because you could tell the onslaught with literally about 20 seconds. And he started throwing everything. You just started talking about elbows, knees and hands and fists and everything. And they were about to stop that fight. So it almost ended by knockout. Another one that didn't end the way we thought was the call your chase Sherman fight. I got it. right. Oh my God. How about the fact that one ended with the submission? Who saw that coming? Plus 1100 for Collier to win by submission. Like, yeah, that 
that was crazy. But Chase Sherman, listen, uh, I don't know when they announced cuts, but like we were talking about, that was a do or die fight for him and for him to get submitted by Jake Collier. And really like it was because he was, he, he took a bunch of shots to it. He looked like he was, he was done. Um, you know, that's, that's one of those where I don't know where Chase Sherman goes from here, but I don't think it's to another UFC fight. No, Bellator makes a lot of sense because he's one in six now in his last seven fights. And at this point, we've probably seen the best of the vanilla gorilla. Let's spin the wheels forward. We'll talk about the big boys in Ghana and Ghana here in a second. But let's start with the uh, the smaller dudes because we've got Figueredo versus Moreno part three. Now, the first fight was so unbelievable that everybody knew we needed to run it back. The second fight is when Brandon Moreno really became, I would say, a star. Is this the fight that makes Brandon Moreno a superstar on Saturday night? Man, it's a good question. I'm still having a hard time dissecting this one. Like, I definitely want to go back this week and watch both of these fights because, you know, you have so much you feel like you have to dissect with the little guys. Like, I feel like with Francis and with Gon, like, we got to know, hey, it's bomb versus well-rounded guy. These guys, it's like there's so many things you have to dissect going into it. But I, I do I do like Moreno from from the standpoint of like, look, he, he looked like he took that first fight and he made the better adjustments and found his way to victory in the second one. And I feel like he's going to springboard that even more. But, you know, does Devinson Figueiredo take that loss? Does he does he change some things in camp and become a more complete fighter going into it? That's certainly possible, too. I really think that this is one of those fun things when it comes to a trilogy because, you know, these guys both have so many ways to go get a victory that you can't really rule anything out. It's also weird because Davidson figure ready to look a certain way in every single fight. I would say it was the Amanda Nunez, like same thing. She looked, she's looked the same way in every single fight except for the last one. So it's very fair to say which which version are we going to get? I think that we're going to get the Figueredo that looked like a world beater for a couple of years that was holding on to the belt. He's a big dude. I mean, like, that's the thing is he's big for the division. And so that is usually his advantage is that he, he hits these guys and it's like them having to deal with the tank. Like, you know, if we talk about all these guys moving weight classes, like it's not crazy that one day he can maybe move up to bantamweight or something like that. But, you know, it, it is still a thing where you look at it and he, he did get he did get dealt with last time by Brandon Moreno. So why can't Brandon Moreno do it again? I, I see no reason why. Like, I don't think of it as he doesn't have the resume that Amanda did where you're like, wow, this this sure. guy is is one of the best. So I don't look at Moreno's win. It was an upset, but I don't think I, I don't you know, I think a lot of people look at what Pena did as almost fluky compared to what Moreno did. Good point. Brendan Tobin down in Miami, Sean Levine in Kansas City. It's a tapped out recap here on the BetQL Network. Speaking of big, you got Nganu versus Gone. Just a little peek behind the curtains here. John Anik is going to join us coming up on the show, but we recorded the interview earlier today thanks to the voice of the play by uh, the play by play voice of the UFC for joining us. Great dude, by the way. Um, what was he saying? The money's coming in on Gone right now. Yes, that to me yes. is that that to me is surprising because I figured that if there was any weak action, and by weak action I mean the week of the fight, it would come toward the guy that had the experience and the guy that's the bigger name. Were you not surprised to hear? that more money's coming in on, on, on uh, Ghana opposed to Ngannou right now? I'm not just simply because I do think really? that people, I think people are seeing, if you follow the sport and you're seeing all of this drama play out around Francis Ngannou, I do think that is scaring some people off. Like the guy's basically saying, I don't really even want to be in a, be a UFC fighter anymore. I want to go box. And so I could understand why that would scare a lot of people off, especially if he's got his hands full with the guy like Cyril Ghan and, you know, really, it sounds like if this wasn't a grudge match, if this wasn't 
a uh, if this wasn't against his former teammate, maybe he's still sitting out. Maybe he's not fighting for the title. Like that's that's concerning. I think as a fight fan. Now, the thing that I think it would concern me a lot more for other guys, but because Francis Ngannou basically has the ultimate eraser, I still feel like he's going into this fight with okay, all this talk is good, but I could still hit him one time, and it's gonna it it could flatline him. But I do think that that's probably a reason is people are scared off of this. Maybe fight week will change that. Maybe they have. Maybe people see the the side by side and all that type of stuff. But yeah, I, I I'm not surprised just based on how much negative stuff has been around Francis going into this. What about the experience factor? Like I love me some surreal gone and he looks great and he looks like you know he, he could he, if he wins this fight I'm not going to be surprised at all. Right now I'm leaning Francis Ngannou because of what you were talking about and it's not that Gon doesn't have one punch knockout power he can certainly do that but we've just seen it so much. Man Ngannou's just been in these firefights so many times and oftentimes when it comes to the bright lights yeah we've seen Gon do it once or twice we've seen Francis make this walk like but probably ten times at this point maybe six or seven times at least at this point half a dozen or so so the experience. I think is why I'm going to end up end up eventually putting my money on Francis and Ghana. Yeah, I, I think the experience is, is definitely a fair thing to go with Francis. And you think not only is he experienced, but he's experienced and he's had his downfalls too. So like he had the embarrassing loss to Stipe. He had the embarrassing fight against Derek Lewis. I don't know if I like punches. I, I don't know if I necessarily like that. I almost prefer the invincibility. You know, like really? the guy that has yeah, the guy that has the O, it just if I'm going to bet on it, so I want to bet on a guy that I know is vulnerable in the past or a guy that has never lost. I always feel more comfortable putting my money on the guy that has the O. Yeah, dude, but look at this run he's been on. Like, he dealt with Curtis Blades in 45 seconds, Kane Velasquez in 26, Junior Dos Santos in just over a minute, Jorginho Rosenstrike in 20 seconds, and then dealt with Stipe in two rounds. And a, and a guy in Stipe, and, and th- the thing that the Stipe fight sticks out to me with Francis because of how much Stipe dominated him in their first time around and for him to flip the script like that and what are we talking a span of three years that's very impressive to me like i i always like the guy who crafts around a charles Oliveira, if you will like he started off rough and now he looks absolutely unbeatable i'm with you there's still value in a guy like a habib who's never been you know barely lost a round in his career but i mean i i think to the experience yeah that does speak to a lot of things because gone yeah he's gone the distance with some guys and he looked fantastic against Derek Lewis. I mean, absolutely. I think that was the dominant performance everybody was looking for, for him to put away a guy like that. But, you know, uh, it still it still doesn't, I think, I think it pales in comparison to what Francis has been through through adversity. Like, 10 fights is not a lot of fights. It's not. If Francis wins this fight, what do you think it does to all the crap that you've been talking about, all the noise outside the octagon, his contract going forward, his relationship with Dana, his wanting to box? Because I feel like part of his angst, part of his, the reason he's upset is because he, and I don't know why, he is a superstar, but he feels like he's not a superstar, maybe gets promoted the way that he should if he wins this fight. And let me even take it one step further. If he wins this fight, and then the next few months they announce a John Jones and Ganu fight, that feels like well, now we're talking one of, if not the biggest pay-per-views that the promotion has ever seen. I think that the thing that I wish Francis could see from this standpoint, because I really do love Francis. And, 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 the, and it's funny because he's had a couple of out, uh, uh, falling outs with the UFC, but you wish that it, it, you know that the UFC would love Francis to be nothing but happy with the company. I feel like they are still seeking for that next Conor McGregor, that next star. And I do think that he has the potential to be that because people love the the viral knockout and he's he's just he's he's like built out of a movie he's he's ridiculous looking and i think that 
I would love nothing more in the world for him to win this fight than to renegotiate whatever, give him what he wants as far as a contract is concerned. I know he's not going to get $10 million a fight, but give him something that's seven figures to set up for this John Jones fight because I, I just as a fight fan, and I love boxing. You know, I know we talk mostly mixed martial arts. I, let me tell you this when I say this audience. I adore boxing, and I would definitely tune into him versus Tyson Fury, but I would pay twice the price for Francis versus John Jones. I can't wait for that. And so I hope nothing more than that happens. I just don't know, though, because it all just feels negative, negative, negative right now. So you're hopeful. that, And, and don't forget, if he's champ, like it technically extends his contract. And he's already talking about the legal battle of, well, I fulfilled my fights. And so does that mean he's going to win this fight and sit out of here? I don't know. It's uh, it's, it's very murky out there. I hope what I hope for happens is he gets a viral knockout and everybody's buzzing about him versus John. Jones. I hope John's in the crowd. Uh, they stare down and I hope that they fight in the summer and it does a gazillion buys. That's what I want to happen. That's not good enough for me. I want John to be in the crowd. I want Nganu to say his name with that awesome oh, accent that he yeah. has. And I want him to come in like Brock Lesnar, DC style. And then, you know, like, I don't even care if it feels like it's like a little bit fake in the octagon. I want to, because I want to see what they look like. Like, I want to actually 100%. see what those guys look like. Because John looks like he's getting huge. Man, I, I'm with you. That fight would absolutely be one you'd have to be in front of the TV for unless guys like you that have the bank account, you can actually go octagon side. That is Brendan Tobin. I'm Sean Levine in Kansas City. Coming up on Saturday night, you got Nganu gone. You've got Figueredo taking on Brandon Moreno part three. But before that, you got tapped out. Catch us from five to seven on the Bet QL Network.